Welcome to Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, TNT. And once again, this is an opportunity to listen in. Episode 30. We're already at episode 30. This is interesting because this is the first time we have back to back special guests, but they're related. Never had that happen before. Last week, episode 29 was fascinating with Ronan from Nebraska. And uh, we'll have him as well as some others back for part two. And he had mentioned Ronan uh, growing up in the Ohio area about how close he was with his cousins, for example. And then the the unfortunate uh, tragedy of one of the cousins uh, dying in a car accident. And it, it brought them back together again uh, with that tragedy. And believe it or not, one of his cousins is with us here tonight, uh, Old School Saint. So that's uh, uh, Justin goes by Old School Saint. That's on Discord, I guess the avatar handle. And uh, when I found out that they, they were cousins, I, I didn't know that. And I asked Old School Saint, I said, hey, would you be willing to come on Ethereal Underground? Kind of give us uh, your background and maybe... Uh, fill in some background on what Ronan had said. He said, sure. So we got that scheduled and that's today, this afternoon that we have him and it'll be interesting to see how this hour develops his background, interesting stories he might have, or just in general, his take uh, on life. And like other guests, uh, I'll ask old school saint, when, when you introduce yourself to the ethereal underground audience, whatever you feel comfortable with, but just general background. So we know uh, maybe what generation you are, where'd you grow up? Do you have any uh, siblings? And then uh, what your life experiences have been up to today and what you do for a living today. And um, there's no right or wrong answer because it's basically your story. And we're here to listen to your story unfortunately i probably will scatter in a few corny jokes once in a while but um <laughs> with that being said old skate uh, old school saint thank you for being uh, a guest with us on ethereal underground and we'll let you start by introducing yourself and we'll take it from there awesome um well first of all i want to say it's an honor to be here jet um really love the work that you do and uh I've been hooked since the first thing I ever heard you talk about, which was the uh, the Black Star. So, <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's it's really great for me to be here talking with you. Um, so yeah, like you said, my name is uh, Justin. Um, I go by the, the the handle Old School Saint. Um, cousin of Ronan. Uh, I grew up, or I, I actually still live here. I grew up in Ohio. Uh, I've been here all my life uh, near the city of Dayton. I am. Uh, let's see, I have two brothers, one adopted sister. Um, my, both of my parents are still together. Um, one of my brothers, when I was 10 years old, he did pass away. Um, that's why my mother and father decided to adopt uh, my younger sister. Um, so got a tight-knit family there. Um, I am married. I have three beautiful children. Um, they're all crazy and rotten and uh, hard to hard to handle sometimes. I'm actually doing this interview out in my truck because there's no way 
I would get the silence that I need to do an interview <laughs> inside my home. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I just I, super blessed life. Um, I am 37 years old. Um, let's see. 37 years old into uh, rock music, into art. I really am into like outdoor camping, conspiracy theories, this sort of stuff. Um, that, that pretty much sums me up in a nutshell. If you want to, if you want to go ahead and ask me some questions. Okay. So you, you're outside a, a Dayton area. This is interesting because I, I have a lot of friends and business contacts in Ohio. So it seems like Ohio is my second home, believe it or not, yeah. from uh, mid Missouri. Uh, I was born yeah. in the East coast in Pennsylvania, but uh, there's a strong connection to Ohio. So that's interesting. You said that you're uh, 37. So that gives us an idea of your generation where you grew up. So you went to high school. You never left that Ohio area. You went, obviously went to high school in Ohio. And then yes. uh, did you, did you go into the military like Ronan did, or, or are you in the trades? What do you do for a living? What, like what happened after high school? Uh, what steered your life from high school to today? Gotcha. Um, well, if if you don't mind, um, I'd like to give you, I, I, I kind of, I don't want to say rehearsed, but I, I kind of have an idea of where I, I wanted to take your audience as far as getting to know me. And it, it kind of my journey began like at a, as a young kid. If you, if you don't mind me uh, just kind of briefly going over some of the stuff that makes me who I am today and then I mean, oh, yeah. I would be okay. Yeah, so you you have something probably what you're alluding to. You have something very interesting that might have happened before graduating high school. Yeah, something yeah, you could say that. Okay, yeah. So let's go back to to that pivotal. I I didn't know. I think Ronan mentioned only vaguely. He said, "No, you'll have to let old school Saint or Justin tell you," but he didn't yeah. say. Uh, I, for some reason, I was thinking maybe it was later as an adult, but there must have been something important. And I'll shut up and quit rambling. But something uh, no, no, you're fine. Your, yeah, you're go fine. ahead and start whenever you want to. If it was uh, it, at a young it, age, bring it's, us up. It's really, it's really not one specific thing. It's just kind of like the weird life that I've lived, I guess. So, um, and really, Ronan was kind of the one that directed me in this. You know, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to talk to you about. And he's like, man, you really need to go into the detail on you know, kind of where you came from and, and how you got to where you are today. So um, this is kind of his idea. So we're just going to go for it and see what happens. So okay. hopefully, hopefully I don't botch this, but we'll, we'll just go for it. Okay. <laughs> All right. A so, little bit nervous. So, <clears throat> so um, growing up, um, my mom and my dad, um, actually my mom more so than my dad, she's a very religious woman. Um, I grew up as a young kid going to church. Uh, I grew up, you know, if, if, if I did something out of line, my mom's the type of woman that would, you know, smack me over the back of the head with the Bible. <laughs> um, so that, that kind of, that kind of set me up for, for where I ended up in life. But, um, a lot of times when I was younger, um, I would just question things. I've, I've always questioned authority. I've always questioned, you know, Santa Claus and the Easter bunny and God. And it's just like, I've always looked at things just with this, this, set of eyes that a lot of kids my age didn't have, you know, and um, I remember my mom at an early age, you know, she would tell me about, you know, you know, heaven and hell and God and the devil and all these different things, you know, 
And um, I remember at one point, this is just one of my earliest memories, my mom telling me, or like I heard, I forget where I heard it, but I heard uh, Satan's number was 666, right? So this, this tells you how weird I am. We had a rotary dial phone at the time, and I wanted to find out if my mom was full of crap or if she was serious. So I got on this rotary dial phone and I dialed the number 666 to, to see if, if, if that was really Satan's number and, <laughs> and to see if he was real, you know? And I mean, clearly he didn't answer. Um, so I was kind of, you know, it, it really set me on this thing where I'm like, okay, was well, he real? If that's his number, he should have, <laughs> he should have answered, which is, is, is hilarious to look back on that and say, but I just had this fascination with, um, uh, the other side. I, I don't know. It was just ever since I was a kid, I've always felt this battle inside of me, this like this good and evil, this yin and yang, this duality uh, that, um, I, you know, I, not a lot of people that I've talked to in the real world can really relate to. Um, so a, a, another moment that I had when I was a kid was uh, we had this, do you remember those magic eight balls that you would shake and you would ask oh, questions? Yeah, yeah, the, yes. yeah they would appear in the window, the glass window. Yep. Yes. Yes. So this, this moment, I don't know why I was probably five years old. This moment had, it's still to this day. I think about it all the time. I'm a weirdo, like I said. Um, but I remember asking it because, you know, I heard if you were bad, you would go to hell, you know, and that's the type of, of woman that my mom was. She instilled that into me. So I shook this magic eight ball and I remember asking it, am I going to hell? And I'll never forget it. It, it popped up with a little triangle inside and it said, it is decidedly so, right? So, so in that moment, I'm like, I'm super freaked out. I'm like, okay, well, this is clearly a real magic eight ball that knows the future <laughs> and, uh, it's telling me I'm going to go to hell. So I really need to get my stuff together. Right. Um, so well, really, I was gonna say uh, that, to be fair, you do live in Ohio. So <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the whole gambit of, of my yeah. life. And yes, man, that's, that's, ex you're not wrong. That's for sure. Um, Yeah. So, but I mean, honestly, it, it, I, I grew up in church. Um, I have a knack for music. I play guitar, love to sing. I was in the church choir. Um, I was in choir at school. Uh, let's see. Uh, there, there was this song I used to sing in church and it was called He's Still Working On Me. And that song to this day, I, I think about, you know, how I used to, that was my favorite song to sing in church. And I think it's like almost prophetic that God to this day is still working in my life. I think that's one of those little breadcrumbs that God left in my childhood to let me know that even through the, the stuff that I would later go through in life, he was always going to be there working on me, trying to make me a better man, you know? So um, with that being said, um, I, I always questioned authority. I was super rebellious growing up. I, I went to church, but again, I had this duality, this yin and yang, this good, this bad, right? And uh, just one example of uh, something I did, this was with my cousin Ronan. Um, I was over at his parents' house. This was when they still lived in Ohio. And what ended up happening was, is I saw one of those, you know, those uh, battery powered big wheels, like power wheels that kids yes. have. Um, so he had one of those and I had always seen the commercials. I wanted, I mean, I when I saw that thing, my eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. I had to get to it. I remember asking his mom, if we could play with it. And, you know, she was busy with the other grownups and she said, no, sweetie, not today. The battery's dead, whatever it was, she said we couldn't play with it. And the garage was locked, but I could see it through the window. So this is just a testament to the type of person that I am. 
I found a rock and I decided to throw the rock through the window and I pulled like a milk crate over to the door. And I was when the when the grownups came out, I was reaching inside the door to unlock it from the inside to to get to that four wheeler. So, um, you know, I, I always just kind of made my own way. You know what I mean? It's like, OK, well, you know, this, this is the straight and this is the straight and narrow path. And here's the broad path. And I, I kind of just went my own way, man. I made my own way. So, um, but yeah, man, growing up, uh, I idolized rock stars and, um, I watched Hollywood movies like, uh, half baked or dazed and confused, which are like uh, stoner kind of party movies. Uh, it just shows the, 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 the adolescents, the youth kind of rebelling against authority and, you know, kind of doing their own thing, smoking pot, this sort of stuff. Um, and I really feel like I was programmed. I don't know if it was, how do I say this? I don't know if I was programmed by watching those movies or if it was just something that was ingrained into me since birth. But I had this fascination with um, just just living on the edge and kind of walking that line. Um, and uh, so what ended up happening, um, probably middle school, I want to say, I started, you know, smoking pot and hanging out with the wrong kids and, and doing this sort of stuff. And uh, what eventually happened was I ended up on some pretty hard drugs uh, in high school. Um, and it, it's... Well, I don't want to say I, so, so through high school, I was popping pills. Um, I was doing, uh, occasionally I would do cocaine. I know we're just kind of diving into this. If you have any questions, man, feel free to, feel free to chime in. But, um, you know, started hanging out with the wrong kids, idolizing these, um, uh, you know, these rock stars. And, oh, let me, let me, let me back up. I, I, I apologize. So one, one of the reasons why I started getting into drugs was uh, Bill told you that we had a, a cousin Alex that had passed away, or I'm sorry, Ronan <laughs> told you that we had a cousin Alex that passed away. And um, I, I remember in that moment, very vividly, uh, we, we got a phone call that Alex had been in a car accident, um, probably about two hours before I found out that he ultimately had passed away. And um, I remember when we got the phone call that he had been in a car accident before they had any update on it. I remember, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty godly when it comes to things, you know, so I drop to my knees, I pray, I'm like, God, you know, please, uh, you know, watch over Alex, protect him, um, you know, hopefully everything turns out okay. And I kind of went on about my day uh, and just waited on the news until we heard. And then I found out ultimately that Alex had passed away. And uh, I remember really struggling with that. Like, obviously my cousin had just passed away. I think he and I were, you know, we were about three or four months apart in age. So we were pretty close. Um, I, I, I had a real problem with the fact that I had prayed and God didn't answer my prayer, you know, just in my ignorance, being young. Um, I, I, I really just, I struggled with that. Um, and then right after Alex had passed away, uh, my grandma, uh, she she passed away, not Ronan's grandma, but my grandma on my mother's side. She ended up passing away. And um, it really it was it was probably about six months apart, the two deaths. And it was really a lot because my grandma, she was a rock in my life. Um, when I was a kid, I used to go to her house and like 
she would always call me her prayer warrior. My grandma, she was a very religious woman, very faith-based. Um, you know, if I had the amount of faith that my grandma had, like if I ever get that amount of faith throughout my whole life, like I will have made it because that woman had not an ounce of fear. She had just the most beautiful perspective on life. And it's something that I truly cherished. And when she passed away, it really tore me up. And she was kind of the rock uh, that held my family together. My mom has five brothers, five sisters. Um, and with that, um, you know, they're, 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 it's, it's almost like a blessing and a curse, right? Like, so you have a lot of family members um, and it's a lot of love, but with, with having that many family members, you do have a lot of funerals and stuff that you have to go to. There is a lot of death. You know, each one of them have, each one of my mom's brothers and sisters has at least three kids. Some of them have three kids. Like we are, you know, our last name should be the rabbits because we, <laughs> we, we are just a, I have three children. We just, we breed a lot. So, um, so I've, I've, I'm, I'm used to death. Um, it's something that I've grown up accustomed to. Um, uh, so one thing I want to say is I have, since, it, since I was a child, I've had these dreams and um, they're dreams that uh, ultimately come true. Uh, it's my grandma had it. My mom has it. It's, I don't know. I, there's no way for me to truly tap into it to where I even know what it is, but it's, I have these dreams. Like when I was a kid, I had a dream that my guinea pig died, right? <laughs> I, had a, I had a guinea pig named Piggy and I had a dream that my guinea pig died and the dream was so real that I woke up in tears, just bawling my eyes out. Like in a, from being asleep, I woke up and I had tears running down my face. A week later or so, I, I, my, my guinea pig ended up passing away. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, to skip back to after my grandma passed away, um, I had a really good friend of mine named Chris, who I went to high school with, and he uh, was living with his mom at the time. And I had a dream. And in my dream, um, he ended up dying. Uh, and the dream was so real and so vivid. And I've had so many dreams that have come true up to that point. I, I drove to his house to make sure he was still alive. That's how that's how real this dream felt. And when I got there, he was actually in his front lawn. And his mom was throwing his stuff, just ironically enough, in this moment, this was when I ended up at his house, but his mom was throwing his stuff into the front yard because she had found his uh, weed pipes, right? So she was kicking him out as I, as I had a dream the night before that he had passed away. So, um, you know, I, he, he was pretty much homeless at that time. He'd been busted a bunch of times. Like I said, man, we were kind of a little bit rebellious as children. Um, but, uh, I, I remember going to my house and asking my mom, like, mom, listen, he's, you know, his mom threw him out and my mom being a Christian lady, you know, she always would take in the, the strays as she calls them. <laughs> and, uh, so he ended up getting, he, he was able to live with me and we lived together for that whole summer, but he, you know, he, he didn't pass away like, you know, in my dream or whatever. So he ended up living with me. Well, what happened was, was towards the end of summer, I think it was, or no, no, no. It was actually that, that next fall. As we got back to high school, um, my mom ended up finding his his weed pipes and stuff like that. And hopefully we're allowed to talk about that on the show. I didn't even ask you. Um, but uh, uh, So my mom ends up finding them. Um, she ends up kicking Chris out because, you know, she's like, I can't have that stuff in my house. I'm sorry. He ends up moving back in with his mom. And two days later, he ends up dying in a car accident. So, um, you know, I have this dream. 
came, it was almost like I got to spend a precious few months with him. And then he ends up passing away right when he goes back into living in, in his house. I always thought that was really crazy how it worked out. But uh, so it was my, my cousin, Alex, who had passed away when I was 17. My grandma passing away probably when I was 18 and um, uh, Chris passing away when I was 18. So I, I really kind of started down this path of like, you know, I had this, I don't want to say a vendetta, but it was just like, you know, God, what are you doing? You know, it's like, I, I, I've been faithful to you. I've prayed, I've done all these things, you know, I'm not perfect, but you know, all these people that I love and I cherish and I care about, they just, they, they keep dying, you know? And, um, I, again, like I said, I always kind of just questioned everything and it's like, well, you know, I, I really started to wonder if God was even real. And, um, I just went on a rampage in life, you know, it's like, I, uh, I, again, I, through high school, I started getting into pills and stuff like that. And I think it was like shortly after I graduated high school, um, I got, I moved into a party house with a few of my buddies and uh, I was probably like 20 years old or so, something like that. So this was maybe about a year or two after high school. And up to that point, I was just partying and just getting into trouble and these sorts of things. But I, I move into this party house with, uh, a few of my buddies and um, I remember one of my friends, Chris, uh, different Chris than the one I was just talking about, but he said, uh, you know, we were all doing a cheers with some beers before we, it was like the night we moved in. And he was like, here's to, here's to all being alcoholics before we leave this place. And everybody's like, yeah, all right, cool. And I, I didn't know how prophetic that was going to be. Um, but, you know, looking back, it's pretty crazy how it all ended up working out. Um, so long story short, um, I got pretty bad. I was doing that for a couple of years. Um, but there was a couple of things I wouldn't touch. I would never touch heroin. I would never touch methamphetamine. Like I would never, you know, use IV drugs or anything like that. I, I honestly, I played it safe or, or, or so I thought, you know, um, and I'm just going to kind of go full on into it. If you don't mind, Jed, is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Keep, oh, before you, before you do that, uh, sure. I want to you you by any chance haven't had you haven't had any recent dreams of anything happening to jet blake have you <laughs> actually it's 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 funny you say that man did did ronan tell you or no <laughs> no don't answer that oh my God. That, was, that was only a joke i don't <laughs> no no i really did have a dream about you i'm not gonna go into details on it right now but we could we can talk after the show <laughs> if I mean, you want uh, hopefully, yeah, after the show. <laughs> hopefully, it, it has nothing to do with my clothes being thrown out in the front yard or anything. <laughs> no, nothing like that. I'm, uh, that's, okay. that's that's funny. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. If uh, if there's some more, uh, whatever you're comfortable with sh sharing. Uh, I, I don't. I, oh, it's because it's, it's your time. It's your show right now. So I'm listening. All right. Well, if you have any questions or you need me to stop or anything like that, man, feel free to chime in. So, okay. um. So, like I said, I was doing uh, um, cocaine, stuff like that, but I had I, never done like, you know, heroin or methamphetamine or anything like that. Um, just kind of going down a bad path. I was living in this party house. Um, there were so many like girls and people coming in and out of the house that um, it was, I, I was a womanizer through those years. I had like this void, right? I had this like this big void inside of my chest and I couldn't figure out how to fill it. So I filled it with the most like just chaotic stuff I could get my hands on, which is like, you know, just 
hooking up with women, getting into many, many, many fights. Um, I, I had, um, I, I used to tell my mom this joke. This is, this is a joke, but it's not a joke. My mom only visited me once at my house. And throughout the time that I lived there, we had crime scene investigation there three or four times. And I used to tell my mom, I would say, mom, you never come to see me. CSI comes to see me more than you do. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, it, it really, well, that's not funny, but I mean, we had multiple shootings at my house, like people, you know, my house got drive by. Um, it was just a, a crazy chaotic time. I was in the thick of it. Um, so anyway, um, had this void inside of myself. I was doing a lot of pills, but like I said, I, I, I told myself I'd never like become an addict or I'd never do these like hard drugs like heroin. And what ended up happening was one night, uh, a, a few of my buddies and I, we were doing cocaine. And what happened was, is, uh, there's this, there's this drug called Xanax and it's, a it's a benzodiazepine, which is like an anxiety medication. And I used to frequently take that when I was coming down off of cocaine, right? So you do cocaine, you're high. When you're coming down, you it's it's not a really good feeling. So what you do is you take a Xanax when you're coming down and you just kind of easily transition into being able to go to sleep or whatever and not have panic attacks, this sort of stuff. It's pretty disgusting now that I'm talking about it. But either way, I had this Xanax that I was going to come down off the cocaine on and somebody stole it. And as we're coming down off of cocaine that night, um, I am just ha having the worst come down ever. I'm, you know, I kind of have a really bad anxiety. My hands are shaking a little bit. I'm just like really not in a good mood. And a couple of my buddies um, or people that I used drugs with, they would do heroin. And they had this, uh, you know, they would, they would snort it, you know. Um, and uh, this was before fentanyl and stuff like that was really bad in Ohio. This was... Um, this, this was before all the hype where it was killing everybody, but I mean, you still knew that it was bad enough to not do, you know? Um, but, uh, anyway, that night it was just the right circumstances that one of my buddies is like, listen, man, I know you don't do this stuff, but just try a little booger sized bump. And if you do it, you're going to feel way better. And I mean, like in this moment, I am just having the worst sweats. I feel horrible. Um, it's just a horrible time that I'm having. And I, you know, in my weakness, I decide to do it. And when I do it, it's like jet, I'm telling you, it's like, I went from feeling the worst I've ever felt in my life to feeling the best I had ever felt in my life within about a 30 second window. Um, it was, I was instantly, instantly hooked. Um, I woke up the next day after feeling this euphoria that I felt from this drug. And I told myself <laughs> I had finally arrived. I, I knew in that moment why people do what they do when it comes to, to, to doing heroin. I knew why it was so addictive. Um, I, I, I think I fooled myself by telling myself that I wasn't going to be addicted to it. Well, actually, I don't think I know. Um, I, um, I'm kind of the type of person like it's like mind over matter. Anything I say I'm going to do, I typically do it. Um, I've always had natural like leader, like a, like a leadership mentality. Um, and I, I, I just always walk the walk. So I never really had something that had ever beaten me in that regard. So I went ahead and I was just like, I'm just going to do this for a little while. No big deal. Um, so I went down that road, man. So, um, I, 
got hooked on heroin. Uh, it was pretty, pretty early on that I realized that I was out of control. There was no way to really control it. Um, you still there? Sorry. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um, so yeah, so, um, out of control on the stuff. I ended up being hooked on it for a few years. Uh, off and on, I would go to rehab after rehab, uh, just really kind of ruined, you know, lost the trust of my parents, lost a lot of friends along the way, like my true friends, um, started hanging out with like really, really bad people, um, put myself in many bad situations. Um, you know, I've, I've been, <laughs> I've been shot at, I, I've, I've been beaten over the face with a two by four. Um, I've had my jaw broken in three different spots that night. Um, I, I ended up not proud of this, but that same night I was literally fighting for my life. I had to, I, I hit a guy in the head with a hammer. Um, luckily I didn't go to jail for like attempted murder or assault. They tried to get me for assault with a deadly weapon, but I was being jumped by like 10 guys. Um, so I ended up, I ended up getting a settlement out of that, which is crazy. Used all that money to, to go get high again, um, which was, you know, par for the course. But anyway, um, I just went down this really bad path, man. It's like from childhood up to that point, um, you know, I'd gone from this kid who was God fearing and there was just this dramatic, you know, slow, but dramatic change of event, chain of events that had happened that had kind of led me down this bad path. And, um, you know, one of the things that I forgot to tell you was, um, I was in this band and this band that I was in, the band name was soul for lease. Right. So, and at the time I really didn't think about what those words meant, but the, our logo in this band was, um, a circle with two devil horns. Right. And I, I'm actually, I have quite a few tattoos, but, uh, I'm in, I'm in a band called soul for lease. I uh, get this tattoo on my forearm of a devil horns. And the same night that I got the tattoo, I end up going to this party. And at this party, um, this guy is like, it's like at his parents' house or something like that. And he had brought his parents. His parents weren't there. They were out of town or whatever. And this is just showing you like how out of control and just how much of a dick I was. But uh, this guy ends up passing out inside. His parents are out of town. And he had his parents' living room couches out by the fire, right? So I'm just, you know, I'm inebriated in that moment. And I decided to take his parents. It's not funny, but it is. I took his parents' love seat and I threw it in the fire, okay? And uh, I mean what they're going to be doing this winter in Europe to keep warm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, that is that is a bad joke. But it's, it's probably not wrong. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so I throw his I throw his love seat in the in the fire, and uh, the girl I was with at the time she took this photo of me, and I was doing like I had a fedora hat on, like Michael Jackson, and, and uh, I took a photo in front of this chair, in front of the fire, like posing like Michael Jackson with my hat tilted down, and as I took the photo, or as she took the photo, the fire and ember jumped out of the fire and smacked me exactly where my tattoo was of the devil horns that I had just gotten that day. And my arm had a huge blister where the tattoo was of the band I was in called Soul for Lease. And I know that doesn't sound super crazy, but to me, it's like I, I'm, I'm going down this path. I'm in this band called Soul for Lease. And it's almost like God just kind of flicking me. You know, he's just saying, hey, man, you need to get your stuff together. You're going down the wrong path. If you don't continue going 
you know, if you continue going down this path, you're messing with fire, buddy. You know, and I mean, to this day, I actually had to have my tattoos redone because I had a huge blister on my arm for a couple of years from that ember jumping out of the fire. And I mean, it smacked right on that tattoo, which was, <laughs> it's just crazy, man, how, how that kind of stuff, ha it happens to me all the time. But uh, so anyway, um, was in and out of rehab. Um, I'm going to kind of take you to the point to where, because I, I don't know if I'm rambling too much or not, but I'll, I'll, I'll take you to the point to where, okay, so I am at this point, let's see, I'm 37 now, so I would have been 28, 29 years old, something like that, okay? Um, imagine waking up sick every day, right? Like at this point, I had completely squandered all my friends, all my money. I, I don't have a job. I'm, I'm doing just grimy stuff to get money in order to provide for my addiction, right? It's like, um, imagine waking up every day and you need this drug in order to get by, right? Like if you wake up, you, you wake up and you're just, you're sick, right? You're sick. You're, you're wanting to throw up. You, uh, you know, you need to drink some Imodium or you're going to have diarrhea. I know that's horrible to say, but I'm just trying to paint this picture for you. I have nobody, nobody trusts me. None of my friends want to talk to me anymore. And it's like, I have this addiction to this drug. And it's like, my mind went to this really like dark place, man. It's like, you know, when I'm doing this stuff, it's like, it, it's almost like, um, your mind starts to think maybe it's better off that I'm not here. You know, maybe may, you know, it's just, it was so exhausting waking up every day. I had to go steal stuff. I had, uh, you know, I, I had to bribe my, you know, my drug buddies with, you know, money to drive me to the drug dealer's house, just horrible stuff, man. Just a, just a disgusting, just, just a, a hell on earth way to live your life, you know? And, um, I got clean for a very short window. Like my, uh, I, somehow I, I was able to get this medication called Suboxone, which is like, uh, it's like a medication that helps you like get weaned off of heroin or whatever. And I got clean for maybe a couple of months and uh, I met this girl, <clears throat> I met this girl and her and I, uh, we kind of hit it off. Um, you know, we started hanging out a lot and, you know, one thing led to another, she ends up becoming my girlfriend. And, uh, you know, I end up shortly thereafter getting right back into heroin. So it's like, when we got together, I was somewhat clean, I guess. Um, but, uh, I ended up going back down the path cause it's, a, it's a struggle, man. You're on again, off again. It's, it's horrible. But anyway, um, this girl and I get together, um, she starts realizing my behavior is, is different than when it was than when we first got together because I'm acting fishy. I'm gone all the time. I'm, you know, lying about where I say I'm going to be. And it's like, finally I come out and divulge to her like, Hey, listen, you know, I'm on heroin. Like I'm trying to get my stuff back together. And she's like, she, she doesn't know what to do. She's like, okay, well, I care about you. So she, she tried to, she tried to kind of guide me back onto the straight path. And my, I tried to, you know, mother me back onto the right side or whatever. And I mean, obviously it wasn't really going to happen. Um, so what happened was, is, um, one day, like I said, I had no vehicle. I, I called my dad. This is, this is the day where God really intervened in my life. Like this is the day where everything changed. Um, so I wake up one day, I lie to my dad. I tell my dad, I say, dad, you know, I need to use your truck. Cause I didn't have a vehicle. Like I'd actually run my vehicle without oil 
for so long that I blew the engine because all my money went towards drugs and I just completely, um, uh, I, I, I neglected my vehicle and, and, and it ended up blowing up. But, um, so I asked my dad if I could borrow his vehicle, uh, to, um, uh, to, to help a buddy move. I said, listen, I can make a little bit of money. I'd actually owed my dad some money. So I'm like, listen, I can make a little bit of money doing this. I can get you some money back knowing full well that I wasn't going to give my dad any money. I just said what I had to do to borrow his truck. So I borrow his truck. And, um, uh, what happened was I go and I pick up this guy who I was using drugs with. Um, he and I were on the way to the, Oh, I forgot to mention, um, at one point or another, I ended up through all the years of doing this, I ended up um, uh, using IV drug use, right? Like, so I started eventually uh, getting high off of snorting heroin wasn't enough. Um, I could go down the rabbit hole of how that happened, but it's really not relevant. Um, I ended up, I, I started shooting up heroin and um, I was just super, super grimy person. But um, anyway, uh, I had used drugs with this guy many times that I'd went and picked up in my dad's truck. Um, we were on our way to the drug dealer's house. And for some reason, I don't even know how it got brought up. It's just, it's just crazy how it all happened. But we started talking about like overdosing. Right. And I'm just like, man, you know, uh, I was like, you know, if, if, if I ever overdosed, I would hope that, you know, you would call 911. And he was like, oh, dude, definitely. He was like, and if I ever did, I would hope that you would, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, and I mean, it was just, it was, it was like a brief conversation, you know, just something that we had talked about that day of all of all days. And what ended up happening was, is, uh, we went and picked this stuff up. Um, I was driving my dad's truck at the time and, um, he, my buddy, he had a way bigger tolerance for, for heroin than I did. And what, what happened was, is I was driving and I just, this is really, I, I feel kind of weird about saying this to where people are going to hear it, but I, I stuck my arm out and I'm driving my dad's truck and my buddy hit me with a shot of heroin while I'm driving. And um, he mixed a shot up that was like, you know, probably could have taken down a buffalo. And I, I really didn't have a tolerance like that. So the next thing I know um, is I'm coming to in an ambulance. Um, but before that, um, let me get into like what happened uh, uh, what happened prior to that. Okay. So, um, I ended up wrecking my dad's truck. So like I'm driving all of a sudden I'm completely out. Um, I sideswipe a tree and the guy that I was with using drugs says that we were, which I, I still know the intersection. It's a very busy intersection. Somehow we stopped right before we went through the intersection and got T-boned. Like my foot ended up on the brake somehow. And I was just completely out in the middle of the road. What in ended up happening was I died for about 10 minutes. Um, I think it was nine minutes, nine minutes before the ambulance got there. I was completely done breathing, blew at the lips, um, just completely shut off from the world. And in that moment that I overdosed, um, I believe what I had was a near death experience. I believe that I was visited by, I don't want to say it was a guardian angel, I don't know what it was, but um, there was this weird thing that happened when I went out where this lady, um, she visited me in my dream. And I remember she told me something profound. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I, to this day, I don't know what it was, but I remember what she told me um, absolutely floored me. Right. And um, 
I remember coming to and kind of seeing uh, a guy's face, right? Like this is back to reality. And I'm, I'm, I'm laying in the middle of the road right now. I'm, I had just been hit with this thing called Narcan, right? Um, Narcan is what they use to like revive you if you've overdosed off of heroin. So this guy hits me with Narcan. I come to for a second and then I go back into the dream. And I remember I don't want to leave this dream. It was just the most warm, like most just beautiful place that I had ever been. And then all of a sudden, man, it's like I got sucked through a tunnel back to reality. And when I came back to reality, I'm laying in the middle of this busy intersection and I am staring up. So what happened was, is uh, my, my buddy, who I thought was my buddy, he pulled me out of the driver's side door. I'm in the middle of a busy intersection and he's giving me CPR until the paramedics get there. And when the paramedics get there, they hit me with this stuff called Narcan and it brings me back. And when I come back to, I'm laying in the road, staring up at the visor inside of my dad's truck. Okay. Well, on that visor, my dad had this pin that was given to him like a little button. And the button says, guardian angels watching over me, right? So I'm there laying in the road. I know I've just had some weird supernatural experience. And when I come to, I'm staring at this pen that's that's looking right at me on my dad's visor, almost like God saying, I got your back. Or, you know, I don't know what, but I mean, I just remember thinking, wow, that's weird, right? So anyway, um, they put me in the ambulance. I'm kind of in and out of consciousness a little bit, but I'm in the ambulance. And um, I remember I get to the hospital and this cop comes in to the hospital room and he's talking to me. And uh, I remember I didn't want to tell this police officer that it wasn't my truck because at that time I didn't know if it had been towed or not. And my whole intent on uh, me not telling him that it was my dad's truck was that maybe they wouldn't tow it. You know, and I, I, in my mind, I just didn't want my dad's truck to get towed because then he was going to know that I got in a wreck and then he was going to, you know, I mean, in my mind, I, it, it made sense at the time. So the, so the cop comes in and you got to keep in mind, okay, I live in Dayton, Ohio. All right. Dayton, Ohio is the biggest drug corridor in the United States. There are more overdoses in Dayton, Ohio, than there are any other state or city in all of the United States. We are the overdose capital, okay? Dayton police, they are pushed beyond their limit every single day because of all the overdose that they have to deal with on a daily basis, okay? Keep that in mind. This cop who had just rifled through my dad's truck, he saw this sign, and this sign was on my dad's dash. And my sister had written it to my dad when she was a little girl. And the sign said, I love you, daddy. Right. Something as simple as that made this cop all the way out to the hospital to talk to me. Keep in mind, I have no children at the time. I just don't want to tell this cop that this is my dad's truck because I don't want it to get towed. He shows up to my hospital room. He says, listen, man, he was like, I've been doing this job for many years. He was like, I've never felt compelled to come to the hospital to tell anyone that they need to get their life back together. But I'm telling you, he was like, something told me to come here today and to tell you, he was like, I saw that sign that says, I love you, daddy. You need to be there for your kid, no matter what, man, you got to nip this in the butt and you got to get it together. Right. And as he's saying this, I'm kind of like, 
chuckling on the inside because I'm like, well, you stupid pig, <laughs> you know, you, you wasted your trip because I don't have any children, you know. And uh, what's crazy is obviously now I respect police officers and all that good stuff. But at the time I had zero respect for him. The guy leaves never to be seen again. Um, this is the craziest thing ever. Uh, a week later, that girl that I was with, that I was dating, found out that she was pregnant. The first thing that popped into my brain was what that cop said about having to be there for your child no matter what, you know. So it was this weird, you know, the guardian angel, uh, the, 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 the lady in my dream, the cop showing up at the hospital, the fact that at that moment that I was overdosing and dying on the side of the road, my girlfriend was pregnant with a baby. And had I died, I would have never known that I was going to be a dad, you know, and, and it was just this dramatic just, just, just divine intervention, this chain of events that just smacked me dead in the face, you know? Uh, it, it floored me. So, so what ended up happening was, was, um, I, uh, um, how did, so I got put on probation because I wrecked my dad's truck. They found drugs on me. Um, I got put on probation um, so I had to go take urine tests, you know, once a week, I had to go drop urine for probation. Um, uh, and they put me in this thing called intensive outpatient IOP, which is like a drug program. And pretty much it was this, it was like, I had all this jail time looming over my head. If I didn't complete this program and become, you know, and, and stay off of dr drugs. And I have this girl who's at home, who's, who's, who's pregnant. Right. And I mean, at the time, her parents, they freaking hated me. My parents, <laughs> they didn't trust me, all right? It's like me in that moment, it's like my back, I have burned every single bridge that I could possibly burn, and I've burned them twice. In that moment, I have literally nothing other than the hope of like becoming a better person, and nobody up to that point, because I burned all those bridges more than once, nobody trusted that I was going to do anything different. But I had this supernatural experience that completely just like reshaped my whole way of thinking, you know, and, um, you know, it was the grace of God. I mean, I'm fully convinced that it was the grace of God that led me to that moment. Um, I was able to complete, uh, the intensive outpatient program. Um, I decided to stop drinking. Uh, you know, I mean, I pretty much just walked that path. Um, now there, there is a drug that I was on. It was that drug called Suboxone. Um, it's a, um, it's a drug that pretty much like helps you get off of heroin. Um, there's a, there's a long road I battled with that, but ultimately I never did any other hard drugs, um, after that moment, uh, uh, after that, uh, that overdose that I had. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, it, I, I'm fully convinced that, that God really did pluck me from the, the depths of addiction in that regard. Um, I, how do I say it? Like, I am one of those people that I always have to have a vice, you know, it's like, I, I, since I was young, it's like when I was a kid, I would, I would eat sweets or, you know what I mean? Like I would, I would almost like, if I could get my hands on chocolate or something, it was like, I would, <laughs> I'd eat it all. You know, it's just like, I would indulge. Um, same with like alcohol and drugs and stuff like that. Um, and uh, so after I got off of the uh, heroin, um, I, you know, my wife had the baby, 
beautiful little girl. She's eight years old today. Um, just, I, I have three children now. Um, I, I run my own subcontracting business. Uh, my, my wife and I, we had our home built. Um, you know, we, I, all these things that I never thought were possible. Uh, and I'm not going to act like it's, uh, uh, you know, like a fairy tale because I mean, we've had our ups, we've had, we've had our downs, but ultimately, you know, God really had his hand in like leading me down the, you know, down the road that I'm on today. Um, let me see here. Uh, if, if you have any questions or anything, man, feel free to chime in. Sorry. I'm kind of rambling. No, that's a, uh, a very interesting detailed story. I, I think that the, the listening audience um, with what you describe probably thinking what I'm thinking right now is you're absolutely extremely fortunate to even be alive. You probably should not have been alive in multiple cases, uh, but, but you are. And then I can understand that your perspective now, not to put words in your mouth, but there would have to be some type of realization, or at least maybe I can ask you this. It seems like you're convinced. Do you think that there is something such as a God or divine? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Not a, I mean, not I, a doubt I, in my mind. Yeah, I do. I do. I do as well. And the, the storyline you gave me shows that there, there's a, a and a power or an influence that was way beyond human because you shouldn't, you shouldn't be alive. You should have been dead many times over. Many, many times. That's a uh, drastic, uh, hardcore drugs. And then the, uh, the rough association you had that when you mentioned yeah. violent fights and things, or you didn't get too much detail. You didn't, you didn't have to, but, or, uh, or maybe you were beaten up bad and you got a settlement and that money, went for further but to to go from that and still be alive and have your life turn around where you have a family unit now the three kids and your wife and your and your business be a night and day contrast to all those years probably what starting maybe age 18 on from from 18 yeah. to late 20s yeah uh, what the you, you might have covered this. The the wife you have now, is that the one that was pregnant with your first child? Yes. Yes. Yeah, same okay. same girl. Still putting up with my crap. <laughs> I was going to say, she's she's been through a lot to hang in there and not. Uh, uh, she's a trooper. So she's so uh, basically she, there's she has seen two versions of Justin. Yes. Yes. And it and. and, uh, and night and day difference between the two Justins, don't you yes. think? Correct. Yes, yeah. sir. Um, yeah. The, uh, the life experience you have, you know, it's an interesting account, your, your story. That's, that's real story that you told. Yeah. Every it's, bit. it's interesting. Like if that were told to youth, say like junior high, high school age, of what you went through, but, but I wonder, I wonder if your, your real life stories, which are vivid, I, I was playing in my mind, all the different scenes 
that that you went through the the fights, uh, the bad neighborhoods, getting the and then the car accident and all, all this stuff. I'm playing in my mind what it would be like if if I were there witnessing this. Do you do you think if you told stories like that to junior high high schools that that would even have an impact, or is it something where kids just basically have have to grow up and find out for themselves? In other words, if you were 16 and someone like you gave their story at 16, would you be like, ah, man, I, that's just him. I, that would never happen to me or I wouldn't be that stupid. I would do think it's different. Or yeah. is that, is that something that, uh, cause you mentioned, I took some notes here that you were, you're always mind over matter. You're more of a yeah. leadership mindset. You kind of went your own way. You weren't a follower. So I, I wonder if at, say, 16, 17, let's say before Alex passed away or your grandmother, if someone came in and visited and gave these accounts, if if you would have kind of blown it off. And oh, absolutely. It. So you I, I, kind of I would like, have blown it off. Yeah. Sure. So that's what I'm thinking is a lot of people have to go through life's journey. And I, I learned from pain. Yeah. You know? And you went through a discovery. Yeah. I was going to say you went through a life of discovery, realization, you learned through pain, which the, the, the expression you learned the hard way. But yeah. I think a lot of us are, are like that, aren't we? Where we have to kind of learn the hard way through discovery and as opposed to being told. And then we're like, wow, he, he brought, he brought up some good points. I think I'll listen to his advice. I hardly <laughs> ever hear anyone that does that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the Will Smith song. Parents just don't understand. Right. It's like you, your parents try to guide you in the right direction. They're like, Hey, don't, don't do drugs, stay in school. You know, like just the basics of life. And you're just like, yeah, what do you know? You know, I'm going to do this over here. And then it's like, as you get older, you know, especially since I've had children, it's like, man, all the stuff that I realize I put my parents through and all the advice that I could have taken and just thrived. You know, it's just like I completely disregarded it all. And I had to learn the absolute hard truth the hard way. Every single step that I took through my whole, you know, 20, you know, late teens, all the way through my 20s, I had to learn the hard way. I, I was so. going to say, I hate to ask, I hate to ask, but I was, I'm like, when you're telling me the story, one of the thoughts that popped in my head is like, did, did you ever replace your dad's truck? If you told me your dad. Oh, oh yeah. So I, I didn't total it. Um, oh. So it wasn't, it wasn't totaled. I, I, and no, I didn't actually, that's just my dad, you know, actually my dad drove that truck for a couple years after with the, the side swipe in the side of the, the driver's side. But yeah, I pretty much, uh, I went up on a curb. There was a, a tree that I hit with, I want to say the back left. Yeah. It was the back left driver's side quarter panel. Um, and I dented that in pretty good. Um, and then somehow went back onto the road and then stopped right before I went. So I didn't total it, but I mean, I smashed it up pretty good. Still drivable, but okay. uh, yeah, so it wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't a full loss. So. <laughs> um, the, the couple that you said you burned bridges more than once, maybe a couple times with friends and family as you change, cause you're like basically two different people. That's the way I take it. That, 
the old school saying or Justin now versus those years. Uh, were you able to repair the damaged relationships maybe with some friends or parents or is that too personal to ask? No, I mean, that's fine, man. I don't mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, my parents, we have a, an absolutely great relationship. Um, this, you know, now I, I, I have a great relationship with my parents, you know, they, they love seeing, you know, my children, I take my children over there on the weekends, a lot of times, and, you know, my kids will stay the night with them. And, um, actually my wife's parents, um, they absolutely love me. Um, my wife's dad, Bob, who really, he couldn't stand me when Rachel and I first got together. Like he and I were like, I don't even think of him as a father-in-law. I think of him as like a friend, you know, um, he's just such a good dude. And, um, I mean, there are some relationships that I didn't repair and some that weren't worth repairing, you know, um, there were a few things that I did in my walk that I really am not proud of. Um, I've spoken them before. Like I've, I have a testimony online. I, I think I go into a little more detail about, um, you know, some of the stuff that I did, but, um, there were some relationships that I, that I, that I messed up that I'd never got the chance to repair. And unfortunately, the, the the person that I ended up hurting, um, that person ended up passing away before um, I could ultimately uh, make my amends with them. And, you know, that's something that does haunt me, you know, but it's 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 things like that, that I believe, you know, make me a better person today. You know, it's just like I have made a living amends to never become that that individual again, you know, because I truly feel like I have this like Dr. Jekyll. Mr. Hyde um, mentality. Like it's like the, the, the Bible verse that says uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And I mean, that rings so true to me because like, you know, I still, it's like as, as crazy as it is, man, like it's like that person still lives inside of me, you know? And I mean, I know that makes me sound nuts, but I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to it in, in, a, in their own way is like, you know, um, I, I still struggle with things, you know, I mean, I'm never going to be perfect, man. There was only one perfect man that walked the earth, in my opinion. And, you know, he died for my sins and I'm grateful for that. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, I have enough faith to be saved by his grace, man. Cause that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. Um, but, uh, uh, just, just a side note real quick, if you don't mind, just so I don't forget it. Um, when I was born, um, I, I, I lived on a street called Pleasant Avenue. And my address was 224 Pleasant Avenue. This, this is just kind of a weird little thing I wanted to share with you. Um, it's haunted me my whole life, right? So the number 224, um, it, 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 it's followed me my whole life to the point to where, you know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night, I'll see the number 224. Um, I, I used to have this song called 224 AM. Um, I, I wrote the song, I play guitar, I sang, um, I had the song that I wrote called 224 AM. This was probably when I was like a teenager. Um, well, anyway, uh, I used to have a Facebook, right? Um, and this was, this is all absolutely coincidental. Okay. I, I've, I put all this together after the fact, but the girl that I ended up marrying, who's my wife, I used to have a Facebook. Her and I became friends on Facebook on the date 224. Okay. Um, daughter, the first time I ever saw the ultrasound for my firstborn child, the, the first time I ever saw that little bean photo was on 224. 
Um, my son, when I found out what gender he was going to be, which is the second child, that was on 224. Um, let me see. I know I'm going to forget some stuff. My grandma, the one that I said passed away, she gave me a Bible. And in the Bible, she wrote on a little piece of paper that I found a few years after she died when I was rifling through the Bible. It said, I hope your dream in life comes true. And the date was 224. I have two daughters that were born on the 24th of the month that they were born on. My wife was born on 1224. Um, and here's the craziest part. Like, you know how I tell you that um, I have dreams that come true, right? Yeah. So like I have, I have these dreams that come true. Um, there, <laughs> this is so crazy. But um, I had this dream probably about a year ago. It would have been literally probably last December, okay? I had a dream. And in my dream, I was standing at the treehouse uh, that I grew up like at the at the address that I used to live in, 224 Pleasant. So I'm so I'm standing at the base of the treehouse that I used to play in as a child. And there's this girl. I don't know who it is, but she's standing in front of me and she's wearing this dress and she's wearing this dress and it's just whipping in the wind. Right. Um, because there are storm clouds. I can see these just crazy, insane storm clouds that are heading towards where we are, okay, at my address on 224 Pleasant Avenue, right? And these storm clouds are coming, and I just remember um, uh, through these storm clouds, there was a light that was shining through the black clouds that were in the distance, and I remember just waking up after having that dream and all I had was just understanding that I had to be a light through the storm that was coming, whatever that meant. Okay. I didn't know what that meant at the time. Right. So fast forward to 224 of the next, you know, it's like three months later on February 24th. That was the day that Russia dropped their first bomb on Ukraine, which I believe this is just me. I might sound insane saying this. I believe that once we entered that stage, World War III had begun. I can say, I, I don't know, some people disagree with me, but on 224 was the first day the bomb was dropped on Ukraine. And that's just kind of springboarded us into the storm that we're looking at right now. And I, I truly believe that God has told me that I need to be a light through the coming storm that's, that's approaching. So I just thought I'd share that with you, man. Just some weird weird stuff that goes on inside my head like i said i'm kind of a weird dude yeah that's uh, interesting because definitely they they've maneuvered and they keep pushing pushing they keep financing uh the escalation of of war and it's yes. uh it's not taming down they're rejecting paths of of peaceful resolutions. So there's definitely a large percentage of someone or something or uh, organizations that want this to escalate. And you mentioned this 224, very prominent uh, in your life, that makes me concerned when, when we come to dates like, will anything happen? February of 2024, the year 2024, February the second. <laughs> <Yeah. 2024. laughs> well, well, you know what's crazy, right? Um, and you can ask Ronan this. Like he and I have had this discussion. Okay, I have no delusion 
I, this, I, maybe I'm going a little far on this, but like the reason that you're, the reason that your words and your work that you do, like, um, it just resonated deep inside of my soul, man, is because like when I was a kid, um, I, it's going to sound crazy. I had a dream that I died at the age of 39. Okay. And it was so vivid, um, that, you know, it's just, it's, it's just been something I've kind of put on the back burner, like whatever, like when I used to like put food in the microwave as a child, you know, like probably like eight, nine, whatever I'm putting, like, I'd put like my chicken tenders in the, in the microwave. I would always type the number 39. Right. And my mother-in-law pointed this out to me when I turn 39, it'll be the year 2024, which is 224. <laughs> so oh, no. it's like, oh, yeah. oh, man. so it's like, I know that like I don't have any delusions like it's like the way that your words like the way that you talk about your work and like what's coming it's like I just had this crazy epiphany man like that and I hope I'm wrong you know but it's just like the, my whole life has been a movie man it's been this it's been this crazy journey of ups and downs and like it's like this you know I mean you bring in the fact of like you know what's going on in the world like the Mandela effect and like just all the craziness of the world. It's like this, this thing that we're experiencing is just one big movie, you know, and, and what a way it would end if it just was like this, this perfect, you know, I, I know it sounds crazy, but it's just like this, 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 this perfect thing that happens, man. I'll be 39. It'll be the year 2024. And I mean, it doesn't really scare me, like I said, cause I put faith in the Lord, but I mean, like at the same time, it's like, I have a lot of fears for, you know, people that I care about and like, you know, like my, especially my children, man, like, you know, I know the Bible says not to worry about tomorrow for the, you know, tomorrow will worry about itself, but it's really hard not to worry when, you know, there's a, you know, looming uh, food shortage that is definitely happening. You know, I mean, there's just this slow motion train wreck of the whole world just crumbling down and you've got people that you love and care about and there's no way to, you know, there's, there's really no way to protect them from what's coming. That's my only fear. You know what I mean? Anything else, like when it comes to me, it, I, I have no fear. Um, but uh, with my children, that's a different story. So, well, let me, uh, let me do this. Cause our hour is, is up and sure we could always segue uh, all, all these interviews. There's enough material to have a, a second, third interview. One thing that, that we could talk about if we, have an opportunity to do another episode on ethereal underground is the time period that we're living in. What I keep championing on my shows, the outer limits and in this podcast series. And you would ag agree we're living in unusual times as far as this timeline of humanity, because we uh, are at a point where, we definitely have engineered famine. They're, they're, they're sabotaging supplies. They're wrecking the economy. They want massive pain to issue a very unique reset. Th these uh, global movers and shakers, we, we kind of have an idea of who some of them are. But uh, also there's a phenomena, a scientific phenomenon as far as what's happening to the earth, in the dynamics of our solar system that there's also going to be less earth yield 
for food. So the earth is getting ready. It's calibrating, is getting ready for a reset. Then there's also a reset that's calculated and planned by these uh, organizations, these central bankers who, for the most part, really don't like humanity. They keep talking about reducing the population. So they're trying to achieve a reset agenda. There's a natural reset agenda coming. And there's evidence, if you know how to look or where to look, there's evidence in our solar system, uh, harmonics, the earth is testifying that there's going to be changes. What what I pro propose, what I've been championing, and it's a, it's a tough announcement that I've been making for my email, jetblake at 2011 at gmail.com. The reason why it's 2011, that's when I first started my YouTube channel and I really went into certain aspects of social media to kind of warn what what's been coming but I've been championing more than ever now's the time to figure out and get our act together spiritually now the question is what does that look like spiritual what what is what is truth because there's a lot of misconceptions a lot of thoughts and theories out there. And what I've noticed on social media, YouTube and podcasts and other platforms, there's thousands of people coming out of the woodworks who are claiming to be kind of oracles, gurus, uh, having spiritual insight. And I listened to some of the programs and uh, some people uh, forward or text or provide links. And what I'm concerned and don't take this, you and the listening audience, don't take the statement wrong, like, like like I have a patent and a monopoly on truth and that I'm the only one that knows what's going on and everyone else is wrong. I don't mean that at all. However, based on my studies and what credentials, whatever they're worth, but my understanding of reality, what's going on in the scientific and also ancient studies, some of these individuals that don't have near the 18, 20,000 hours that I had, they're coming up with some very bizarre concepts. I think what's happening is, and I'll end this, this but this is kind of a segue, uh, Justin, and leading if we have a part two, if we can coordinate our schedules and you're up to it. Sure. What I'd like to talk about in part two is, uh, and get your thoughts, now that this episode, we have a good idea of your interesting background, what led you to where you are today. I think as situations get dire and very unusual because they're pushing this transhumanism, you know, part organic, part Silicon Valley with implants and altering DNA. We, we know what's going on there. The group that wants to stay organic, that wants to stay natural, original, there's a chasm in society. A large portion is going left. Another portion is taking a different path. The ones that are probably a minority taking a different path, wanting to remain organic, they're obviously going to, and they, they've already started, searching for spiritual answers, and they're really emphasizing the spiritual aspect of life, why we're here, what's this all about, and they're not paying as much attention. The physical plastic and leather isn't as important. What I'm finding out is that there's some type of force out there that is realizing that this minority 
portion of society is going to start waking up and searching for spiritual answers. And they're starting to create thousands of what I think are con men and women that will mislead with misinformation, with spiritual inaccurate theories and concepts to throw a monkey wrench in preventing the small minority from connecting in a truthful manner to God, to divine, which is the most important time in human history to develop that relationship. So I'm afraid that there's a psyop and mm -hmm. thousands of male, females and different platforms, they're going to come out and provide theories and alternative spirit and deceive the handful that want to remain organic. I see it coming and I'm like, Oh, you got to be kidding me. So here <laughs> I'm, here I am with, with my background trying to present information and I'm not successful at all. I, I here's why this is, in five years, coming up on five years, uh, I've had access to over between 25 and 28,000 people, social media, YouTube, and other platforms, talking about uh, looking at life in a spiritual sense, how to, how to connect spiritually and be less focused on plastic and leather. Out of the 25 to 28,000 people, I had around 960 people that got on the various discords that I had where I had spiritual discussions and trying to uh, relay information that I've learned over the decades, scriptural references, ancient texts, present it in a organized, uh, like a college level course, but let the individuals digest the information. It was low pressure. Uh, it was not manipulation of any kind. It was ab absolutely presenting if factual information, references, scriptural references, historical accounts, out of the 960 that started to participate in these study groups and these discussions, it only boiled down to a little over 50 who stayed longer than four or five months, a little over 50 who went through the two and a half year program. And out of that, 11 actually it changed their lives and they have a different perspective. So I look at that and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So after five years and I've calculated, I calculated, I spent just under 4,000 hours. So just to, just to let you and you, Justin, listening audience, here's, here's where I'm at. I'm like, okay, last five years, it's just been under 4,000 hours, 960 people, a little over 50 went the full two and a half years. And out of the 50, 11 that I still keep in contact with, uh, it has substantially impacted their life. They've made changes in their life. They're in a new direction, definitely heavily on the spiritual side, less on plastic and leather. I look at that and I go, was it worth it? I, and, and all that time and energy in only 11. Now, the 11 are, are obviously extremely important. Every individual is important, especially if you look at it at a higher level was God's concern. But what I'm starting to wonder, I don't think there's five years left uh, with this reset coming, especially the one the ancient texts talk about. I don't think there's five years left for me to try to find what boils down to another 11 people. I, I don't have another 4,000 hours to find another 11 people over the next five years. And I don't think we have another five years left. So I don't know if I'm at the end of my rope 
and I finished my journey and my purpose here on earth, uh, th this is really serious concerns that is on my mind all the time. Do I stop trying to reach whatever few people are left and let the, the thousands popping up on YouTube and these podcasts, let them overrun. And I just focus now on however many months or years are left and focus on myself and my immediate family or those 11, which we're now, we're like a spiritual family. I don't know, Justin, I don't know the answer to that. And I, I don't, I'm not putting you on the spot. This is rhetorical uh, because we need to wrap this interview up. But if, if we have a second interview and we discuss, I'm open to any ideas because I really, I really don't know. I'm extremely frustrated. I'm happy for the 11 because we are like family, but deep down, there's no way we've got five years left for me to do this again, to spend another yeah. 4,000 hours trying to find another 11 people. It's not going to happen. Things are happening sure. so quickly. Uh, do I just fold up shop and then get off social media and kind of disappear, fall off the radar and just concentrate on my immediate family and these 11? And mm -hmm. by extension, you're you're not you're not one of the 11, but by extension, you could be because uh, Ronan, Ronan is uh, very interested. He's very respectful. Uh, you come. So there's there's still a handful. So let me extend it. Let's say not only 11, but there's another uh, 20 to 30 of you. Do I just concentrate on the 40 or 50 of you? Forget social media, forget my talk shows and whatever months we have left, try to help support the community and, and all of your wives and children and all the technology I worked on because I knew troubled times were coming. I've worked on these technologies to try to prepare and just say, forget it. I'm focusing on you 50 plus or minus and your extended family and leave it at that. And basically that's all of you in the Midwest. Cause I talked to, uh, uh, Ronan and, uh, the, the others, uh, Heinz, the, you know, discord. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Heinz and so forth that we, I'm at a point now where I've basically realized I'm going to work within an eight hour driving radius while we're still allowed to drive. Who knows how long that's going to last of uh, around Missouri. So Ohio's in that ring. You've got the, the uh, uh, Iowa and Illinois, Indiana, and then you've got the Nebraska, Oklahoma and parts of Texas, Arkansas, Kansas, and just kind of be a, a, a scientific advocate, but also uh, a cheerleader, a promoter of spiritual growth and uh, spiritual discussions and leave it at that. I never, I, I knew my information would never go viral. The system won't allow it. So I, I was never going to be a Joe Rogan or Alex Jones type or this uh, health ranger, Mike Adams and all these individuals. It was never going to never going to be that. But I thought, can I have an impact maybe in the Midwest and I, I think that's what I'm going to focus on. That's what these retreats are about. And then also these communities, because you're also linked to uh, Ronan. You know that a community is extremely important. Uh, these times that are coming when we're, if we're not part of the system, we're going to be shut out of everything. Banking, from grocery stores, from the internet, uh, healthcare. They're, they're going to penalize and punish to the full extent anyone that doesn't go with this transhuman agenda. Well, 
what do we we have to band together with communities and live off grid. That's is where this is headed. So we're absolutely we're making relationships. We're making connections. You're part of that group. Uh, others, I can see that this is it. So I might have fifty plus people in extended family, and I'm kind of like the. Do you remember Gilligan's Island? You ever watch that reruns? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Bob I'm kind of like the professor on Gilligan's Island. I think that there's going to be an extent of the, the reach of my technologies, my experience is about 200 people, maybe 50 families, 200 people, and that's it. I'm, I, I don't have ways and means to reach people on the East Coast, West Coast, or around the world. I've, I've tried digitally the best I can to educate and give a heads up. I never got paid for this. That was never the motive. I'd starve to death anyway if I try to have a Patreon account. No one wants to hear what I have to say, or they certainly wouldn't pay $5 a month. No way. So this is obviously, this is obviously a, well, people say that, but I've got like 30 people that contact me and say, well, we appreciate this information. You keep, but I, I never tried to do this to, I tried to support myself through my technologies. I didn't know I was going to get crushed this bad by the man, the system of things. They've ab absolutely bankrupt me. Uh, I was a little naive as a scientist, especially 18 years ago, when I started this, I didn't think it'd be this bad. Well, I had to find out the hard way. It is this bad. They absolutely crushed me financially. Um, I currently have a roof over my head and I ate breakfast. So that's the best it's going to get. And I feel that God, I absolutely believe a, a God exists that uh, he said we would have the basic necessities. Uh, I, I know you would agree. So I, I'm not worried about it, Absolutely. but it's, it's, I think it's time <clears throat> button down the hatches and concentrate on the potential 200 people in the Midwest and call it a day. So uh, don't comment on that. Just kind of think about that. But I, I'd like to have, uh, you know, another future discussion on sure. what you think that looks like. And I know you have the ability uh, where your family can pick up and go if you need to be with Ronan and, and that community in Nebraska area, which I, yeah. I stay in touch with, but I'd like to get your take on what, what you think the world's going to look like two or three years from now, if we're not part of this transhumanism, how we're going to be shut how are we going to survive? What do you think that looks like? And how are you going to function and your young kids? They're, they got to be part of the community. What, are you going to homeschool them? How are you going to keep them from uh, being jibber jabbed and, right have a bizarre genetic altering technology forced upon them. These are yeah. very important concerns that need to be addressed. That's why, you know, I haven't had TV 19. I don't, who's got time to watch sports or, uh, <laughs> or, or Hollywood or Netflix or things like that. I'm like, this is, this is some serious stuff. I don't want to swear, but you know, S H blank T some serious yeah. stuff is coming. I don't have time to, to watch TV or, or mess around. I'm running out of time. Nobody cares. You know? And yeah, they don't care. And my kids are in their twenties, but you got younger kids. So when I, when, and, and Ronan and others, you have kids, you don't think when I get off the air, you don't think I, I don't think about you guys. My, my, look, we, we haven't met in person, but we, we know each other th through, through, uh, the these apps and we have long talks i let i'm at i'm at awake at night going they got young kids the the state will yeah. probably try to take the kids away from them force these and this agenda how are they going to protect their kids and what's it going to look like having these communities i yeah. i 
that is a huge concern. I, I am going to fight uh, until my last breath to remain organic and to remain spiritual. And I'll help as best as I can as a scientist. All the skill set I have is going for these communities. I'm, 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 all, I'm all in. I've got nowhere else to go. I'm not going back into the world. I was never in the world. I can't stand the world. The plastic and leather, the Hollywood, the stock market, Wall Street. I don't want any part of it. So I'm so, fighting to the very end. Uh, I'm, I'm there. I'm there to help. But I'm wondering. Uh, last time I'll repeat this. I'm wondering if it's time to button down the hatches and just concentrate on the Midwest here and these communities that you're part of, Ron and others. You know, Sasquatch Dad. We had Crypto Cowboy. All the guests that we've had um, in in the past on these shows. I think that's that's where I'm at. But I'll yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. And uh, we want to thank you for being a guest. Episode 30. That's funny. I should have had you on episode 24. <laughs> <laughs> or 39. <laughs> yeah. Or no. Yeah. We'll have you back. So that well, part two will be episode 39. There we go. Right, I like it. I like it. Hopefully we, it doesn't take a couple of years because I'll be dead by then. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I try to average about one a week. So I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I just want. I do want to say, man, um, I, I think I speak for all the community when I say we're super blessed to have your insight. And, um, you know, regardless of um, what you think, it's like you're planting seeds. You know, I mean, you're planting seeds in a lot of people's lives and stuff that you share on your on your ethereal underground and on rogue news. That's stuff that I share with other people. And I'm planting seeds that you planted in me, man. And it's like it takes the whole community to affect people. So just because you only have a certain amount of people on your, you know, on your podcast or whatever, it doesn't mean that your words and your actions aren't affecting other people, man. And and I I, I just want to say I appreciate all the information and I, and I do hope that you continue to just keep hammering home what needs to be done and keep hammering home like the the the, the plan for our, our path towards the future, you know? So thank you for all that you do, Jet. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you yeah, for the kind words that, yeah, the, the bottom line is the honest truth. Uh, I'm trying the best I can to forward information, my observations. I have great concerns where it's, where things are headed. I have certain connections in the scientific community that scary times are ahead and what the agenda is. I try not to scare the bejeebies out of people, but I, when I do these episodes, I know that some people listening to this have to go, this this guy is back going crazy. This is insane. It can't be that bad or he's hysterical. He uh, He's using too much, leaning towards fear porn. And all I can say is, trust me, I'm not. I'm, I'm doing my best not to give that appearance. But I can't emphasize enough how serious we are with the human society and what's coming the months and years ahead. And uh, I, I have to at least do my part to try to relay information. And I don't want to have a conversation that if I'm taken out, if I die early, I'm in my 50s and, and something happens, I, want, I don't want to at least have a higher conversation at the level, for example, say, at God's level, where he said, why didn't you try when you're on earth? Why didn't you try to warn? You had this knowledge base and you're working on it. How come you didn't try to warn or help 
the, your fellow man in the community. So I've always been aware of that. And I'm like, no, I don't want to have that conversation. I want to be able to say, well, I did. I mean, to the best of my ability, I tried my hardest. You know, I had all these YouTube channels that got taken down. I've had death threats and I was on talk shows and I gave s seminars and I had retreats and, and I, I did the best I can. And that was uh, my mindset. So I'm, I feel it's the right thing to do. I feel obligated from a spiritual sense to at least say, hey, here's a heads up. Here, here's what I'm seeing. If you, if you think I'm a moron or nuts, that's okay. I, I can see that perspective, but I'm not trying to mislead anyone. Absolutely. I, I'm, I beg of you, trust that I'm not. I've got better things to do than to wake up and try to tell fantastical stories and mislead people. I'm, I'm very genuine in my efforts. If it does impact some, what I always say is, look, if I impact someone, it's causing no harm. I don't think it causes anyone harm to have some storable food, to uh, exercise and eat right, get healthier. I don't think it causes any harm to be uh, experience or display gratitude, to be more loving. Anything that I'm promoting, even if we don't have this reset, this Armageddon event that the ancient texts talk about, if someone says, yeah, well, Jet Blake for years has always talked about, you know, being prepared and being a better person and applying uh, scriptural principles, I'll be like, yeah, and what harm did it cause? <laughs> I didn't cause any harm. What are you yelling at me for? All I, all I exactly. said, all I said is, is how to be a better person and enjoy the human experience. So what, you're going to yell at me for that? So at least what I'm pro pro promoting, I'm not promoting violence, going to war, overthrowing governments. I'm, I'm neutral in all that. I'm just trying to relay what I've, so I thought, well, it's not causing any harm, so I don't think I'll be tagged at a spiritual level. I don't think God will say, hey, you know, your uh, talk shows. I don't know about your talk shows uh, and, and your Discord discussions. You know, and I go, oh, well, let's – so that, that's that's where I'm at. Uh, I thank you for that compliment. And actually, when I do get feedback from individuals like you, that really helps because it keeps me going. Maybe it's a tap on the shoulder keeps me going well you know there's a handful of people that do like this information so maybe as long as i have access to the internet keep doing these shows uh, absolutely uh, so uh i listen what you have to say i listen to you and others i don't ignore you at all so your, Jet, your advice I, is very valuable I, i'm telling you this right now um i i i feel like i was given uh, a really good discernment through my whole life, like just in bad situations and in in certain situations, my gut usually never lies to me. And the stuff that you put out just resonates within my soul, man. So you're doing a hell of a job. Don't ever stop. Keep doing what you're doing, man. And and I think everyone else agrees with me that that listens to you. I can't wait for the rogue news uh, to drop. You know what I mean? I can't wait for outer limits to drop. I love checking in on your ethereal underground. Like the information that you put out, I believe is second to none. I, I believe you have an insight that far surpasses any of these truthers or conspiracy theorists out there because you approach it from a humble, uh, 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 just a grateful uh, position. And I, I, I truly feel you're 
I, I feel that you're a genuine person, man. You know, I really do. And I think the information you're putting out, you're not going to find it anywhere else, man. Like you're just not, you know, the stuff that you're putting out, I couldn't find this stuff anywhere on the, you know, on the dark side of the freaking internet if I wanted to, you know? So I, I just, I speak for everybody when I say we really appreciate all that you do, man. I, I know I keep saying that, but it's true. So. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, you're part of the family. So uh, I consider you part of the family and we need to hang tight and uh, rely on each other for comfort and support. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. We, we've got to stick together find these communities and family and have each other's back. It's too difficult to go solo and expect to survive these unusual times. So you're part of the family. Thanks for coming tonight. Thank you for Ethereum having me. Underground. Yeah, great, great having you. Tell uh, your wife I said hello and the little kids. When will you, do, man. Get back home, tell them, tell them I said hi, and we'll talk some more on the next visit that we have you on Ethereal Underground. All right. Thank you so much, Jet. You have a good rest of your day. Okay.